What's the hardest thing about being a leader today? How do you not give in to your fears? And how do you not freeze and just wait for these tough times to pass by and get things back normal? How can you actually be courageous, show up with serenity, show up with calmness? And how can you ride the waves of tough times and pivot your business so that you can be more prosperous in your organization or in your company, whatever you might be doing. We're going to be exploring these questions with Valerie Rokoplan here today. So stay tuned. This is your host, Deepa Natrajan, that Indian girl from Toulouse in France. And this is Meet My Potential podcast, where we talk to leaders from around the world to inspire you and to ignite your potential. If you still haven't subscribed to this podcast, do so right now so that you can get a little notification with new episodes. Let's welcome our guest, Valerie Rocoplan. Hello, Valerie, and welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you very much. I saw your profile and you've been working as a coach since the last 21 years. That's a very long time. Yes, indeed. I didn't see the years, of, <laughs> but uh, when I look back, it's uh, quite impressive that I started already now in 2000, very long time ago. And at that stage, coaching was a strange word to the HR directors. They didn't even know exactly what it was. And nowadays, coaching is a very regular leadership development practices in organizations. So I'm happy that it has become something very normal to use to develop leaders. <laughs> exactly. So what was it like when you started Talentist in 2003. And what really inspired you personally to start this? What was it like? It, it, it was the very beginning of leadership development programs in companies. It was also the very starting moment where people started to think about maybe coaching was different from training. We had to explain a lot about what was coaching compared to training and how it could bring a lot of of advantages to leaders, companies, and organizations because we were empowering people to build their own solutions and help them knowing themselves better. In 2003, companies started to think, oh, maybe we are buying a lot of training programs, but how far is it really transformative? Can we find something else that brings more transformation? Mm -hmm. At that stage, there was really not so many coaches. It was still a very recent kind of job. Today, I think that there are more than 150,000 coaches worldwide. Difficult to find exact figures. But at that stage, we were more <laughs> like 30,000. <laughs> so, and there were almost no companies, almost only independents. Today, there are more large coaching companies than it was the case before. That's why I wanted to build Talentist because I really believed that there was room to build a company with a team of coaches internationally, offices, back office, uh, being able to accompany large amounts of managers and leaders. That's what inspired me. Mm. And you've been working with a lot of big companies for many years now, and you have a whole big team of coaches spread out worldwide. What trends do you see in terms of leadership posture 
in these current times with the social, economic, and the health crisis? Yeah, it's been now um, almost 10 years that the leadership transformation has accelerated, I would say. The trend I can observe is really much about being a leader that is more transparent, more agile in his way to bring new ideas and permanent learning culture. Uh, the leader was in the past really much about status, knowledge, expertise, and hierarchy. And today the leaders have really to be inspiring people, bringing the sense of purpose, not trying to, to live by the status, but really bringing a clear added value by the way he's uh, helping people to decide or helping people to find their own solutions. So flat hierarchy has become now more and more the norm and leaders are not here to decide or to organize, but to make sure to create the best conditions so that the team find a way to innovate, to create in a trustful environment. What also I noticed is that the leader must be responsible in different ways, responsible for his client, of course, responsible for his employees in a way that uh, he treats them in an ethical manner and also responsible for the planet, which is quite new in the mindset of leadership in large organizations. Everything I do and I, and I do with my team must also be responsible in different manners. So I would say trust, responsibility and co-construction are the keywords today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So creating the right condition to make the right decisions, to innovate. And today with the crisis that we are seeing, we're seeing some hard times in organizations. What challenges are you seeing as a trend that leaders are facing today? Yes, it's leading uh, in uh, uncertain times. It's very tough. What I see with leaders and teams that uh, manage that quite well is that they are constantly and consciously building trust and reinforcing the elements that create trust. There are five key elements today that leaders who face uncertainty are really working on is uh, being clear in the intention. As we don't have any more clear objectives or a clear direction that we are more pivoting, mm -hmm. pivoting every day, every week, the leader make sure that everyone understands the intention. Why are we doing what we are doing? Why are we changing our decisions? Why are we testing this and that? The second element is making sure that positive confrontation is alive. Everyone has the right to give as many ideas as they want to try to find out new solutions, test, find out that we can do things that we were not able to do or we didn't even think it was possible to do before. So leaders mm -hmm. that manage uncertainty today, they organize positive confrontation and a kind of bubble up system where everyone can give their idea, proposition. Nothing is stupid. We all need to find out what to do differently. And then there is also the very key element of co-responsibility. Is everyone able to say that it worked or it doesn't work or to admit the, the failures or to celebrate the successes? It's really important in times of crisis that we are all 
humble enough to say, yes, it's working. So let's do it. Oh, no, it doesn't work. Uh, sorry, I failed or sorry, I tried and it didn't work. So this kind of transparent, permanent trial and error culture really means being able to trust each other because this, this is the only thing that we have is uh, being able to know that we can trust each other in order to face really tough times. Another element that I think is very important is that the leaders need to manage their energy and they need to manage the energy of their teams because they are actually in a storm where they need to find ways to pause, to think, to reflect and try not to be always in the course of the action because it doesn't create creativity and it doesn't create inspiration. So it's tough for them to find out some moments of pause and to organize those moments also with the teams saying, what did we learn this week? What did we learn last month? What do we want to test next month? What can we celebrate? How can we just breathe together and just relax for a moment, 15 minutes, 20 minutes before going back to, to the war of crisis, I would say. <laughs> it's a discipline. It's a lot of discipline. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, so to kind of summarize uh, for our listeners here, the first point that you mentioned is be transparent with your intention. And this is so important mm. because what I see happening is there is scarcity and scarcity sets yeah. in fear. And with fear, people react and respond in different ways and people don't trust each other's intentions very well. And we become hypervigilant. So being transparent with intentions is very, very important. That's the first thing that you mentioned. The second thing that you mentioned is positive confrontation. It's not negative yeah. confrontation, which we can see quite a lot. Oh, that won't work. That mm. won't, that's not a good idea. That's rubbish. Positive confrontation. That's great to challenge and allow yourself to be challenged. I think that goes hand in hand. And exactly. the third point that you mentioned is openness to give ideas and that brings along with it is openness to receive ideas which is a lot about inclusion it's not only the visible inclusion of inclusion of diversity but inclusion of invisible things like inclusion of different thoughts different perspectives and that's mm. openness and the fourth point that you mentioned is co-responsibility and that's a big one because in most organizations we have very clear lines of hierarchy who does what who's responsible for what and at the same mm. time, I asked myself this question in meditation during COVID, how am I responsible for what is happening? Absolutely. The answer that came to me was maybe I'm contributing to it by the food that I'm eating and look at how the planet is today. And so I became more conscious during COVID times and I started to change the way I eat and the way I consume. So we are all co-responsible, even if it is at 1%. And that's a very, very vital point that you just mentioned is how am I responsible for whatever is happening? Even if it is not in my department, if it's happening, you know, two departments away, but how did I create that? Oh, how can I help? Exactly. How can I help? And the last point that you mentioned is so vital, which is uh, manage their energy. We all need to manage our energy because in times like this, I found myself reaching out to 
BFM looking at the news, uh, what's happening, you know, what's being announced. Mm. And that triggers certain anxiety within us. And we're looking for answers. And we're looking for simplicity in complex times when we hold on to, oh, I got the answer. Oh, there's a magic wand there. Whereas mm. meditation, breathing, like you just mentioned, it just calms those anxieties down. Absolutely. And as far as managing the energies is concerned, when I work with leaders, I always talk about this, the three levels of energy, the mental batteries, the emotional batteries, and the physical batteries, because it's important to work on the three mm-hmm. levels of batteries. And sometimes they, they do meditation, but they eat very badly, or they don't sleep, or they never <laughs> stop during the day. They are digital uh, uh, addicts, <laughs> things like that. So it's important to <laughs> also listen to my emotions and be able to recognize my fear or my anger or my sadness or also my joy, my pride. And it's a, it's a lot of uh, also permission to leaders to say, okay, how far can you every day ask yourself, how do you feel? How do I feel? What do I need? Where can I get some resources to build something that looks like security if I'm afraid or like respect if I feel If I'm angry, it's maybe because I think I'm not respected. Or if I'm sad, it's maybe because I need to accept that something is not like it should be or will never be again. It will never be again like it was before and accept that. And so it's also a lot of permission for leaders to say emotion is a good way to know yourself and to go forward unless you don't listen to them. And we are full of emotion today. Mm. And the most important I can notice is fear, of course, as you said. And uh, mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. am I also able to talk about our fears with my team? Because if we don't put mm-hmm. them on the table, what are our fears? Mm-hmm. What do we need to feel more mm-hmm. secure? What are our safe environment? Because some elements of our business are safe. How can we even maybe make them safer? What are the elements of uncertainty that we can manage? And what are those we can absolutely not manage? So we will not focus on energy on that. Talking about our fears is very liberating, I think, for teams. (laughs) Not making emotional taboos is a key. That is so rightly said. Talk about our fears. We so often want to, at least even I know myself, I want to show that I'm strong and... We all have that in us. We can, that's our default. And Mm. talking about fears, especially in times like this, it's not about becoming collapsing emotionally, but it's about talking about emotions because you're, like you said, we're full of emotions. And so let's talk about it because let's not avoid it because then it becomes a big elephant in the room and it doesn't allow us to move ahead and become Mm. active and get things done. In my experience in the last two months, I've seen three kind of people in my coaching. The first is people who are very much driven by fear. And in the coaching sessions, the words that I hear, I can hear words like COVID. uh, This is hard times. This is tough times. More often in fear-driven people than in people who meditate and who talk about emotions. They are more ready to actually look at and accept that COVID is here and this is going to change the way we work and it's going to change the future. And they're looking at how do we pivot and what do I do next with what's present? 
And for these leaders who are very courageous, who accept what's present, it's very important, like you mentioned, to talk about the fears, to address people who have fears in them, and also to address people who are, you know, in French, we say like the ostrich, right? I dig my head inside and I, you know, hope and wait that the storm will be over and then life will be back to normal again. Yes, absolutely. But what makes it hard to actually follow it? Like, what makes it hard to actually be humble and say things like, I made a mistake or I can't manage this anymore. It's just getting out of my hands. What makes it hard to be that way, especially when the fear is actually real in certain organizations where jobs are being cut? What do you see as challenges to be humble and say, I made a mistake? It's a lifelong story to work around our own ego. <laughs> How far do I think that I'm powerful <laughs> enough to change the world? And what also makes it hard is that we need some hope today. And making mistakes is also mm -hmm. sometimes a little bit hard because it's, it's harming our uh, will to have some hope. And so for teams also, mm -hmm. they are looking at leaders and they are, they are looking at leaders saying, do you have the solution? Can you? I mean, they are helping also teams to, to find some hope. So it's also hard to say to teams, well, I thought it was the solution. It's not working now, but let's let's believe in ourselves and let's continue to test and to try. So that was the last element of the co-responsibility that I think is key today is making the team and yourself every day conscious about what we learn. What is absolutely certain is that we are learning a lot. How much did we learn? How much did we learn this week from the past three months? And, and when you talk about that with the team and you even take a flip chart and write it down, it's creating a lot of energy. So in a way, it's good to be humble, but also it's a good to, to celebrate everything that we've learned in order to keep hope. Beautiful. So nicely mentioned. Thank you, Valerie, for sharing that with us here. It's so important when we feel disengaged, when we don't know how to deal with the complexity, one of the things that we could do is become a hermit or go into our own cave and hide because we don't want to deal with the shame and the guilt of being incapable to rise up to the level of complexity and the challenges that are there. And we create more and more disconnection as we do that. Going back, like you said, into the office helps people to actually socialize and actually know that you belong even though you don't have the solution, even though you don't know how to manage as a leader, it brings that sense of belongingness and it brings connection, which is actually very energizing. Absolutely. That's what people were missing so much two months ago when they went back to work. And, and what makes the difference is creating links again and feeling belonging to a community, to a team, to a company, whatever, is something that they were very much missing. And also... What they were very much missing is the informal moments, you know, when you just chit-chat and you find some new solution by just chit-chatting at, at the coffee machine. And they just realize that home office is good, but it's much more formal. You get from one meeting to another and then you don't really get those informal moments where you just create new things by just discussing, being inspired by uh, the discussion. What I observe is that as a leader, when people go back to the office, you shouldn't recreate moments when people just work behind their 
PCs or Macs, I don't know, but also create those <laughs> informal moments where we, we are happy to be together again, team buildings, whatever. Small moments during the day where we just celebrate the fact that we are together again and, and we create links, talking about ourselves, talking about our fears, talking about our hopes, talking about what happened to us during the three months, four months. Uh, and not going back to work as if it was just nothing. That I, I know some people who said, that's really horrible because my boss didn't even mention the COVID crisis. I went back to the office and it was like nothing happened. We just had to get back to work. And this is really bad. I think we need to take time to think about together what happened to us, what happened to our teams, what happened to you, to really make sure that it's, it's expressed, and when it's expressed, it's not impressed. I don't know. If it's, no, it's not uh, printed because if you don't express things, it's printed. And so don't let emotions print it too much. Right, exactly. And then it just becomes a blocker. Exactly. The emotion, the E in the emotion, helps us to actually get into motion. comes from the Latin <laughs> word, immovere, getting moved by something. So I need to listen to my emotions to be able to move on. I would say to leaders, please help them express things. Right. Create that connection because people got quite emotional, I myself included, and I can see people around me at home also. Somehow COVID brought uh, in front of us death. COVID brought yes. mortality in front of us. And so when we all face mortality, we get connected to our emotions very quickly. We get connected to what's really essential to us very quickly. We get connected to our sense of purpose, our sense of meaning. Then when you go back to work and you don't have this connection at an emotional level, it creates a huge gap. Absolutely. So Valerie, before we close this call, there were so many great nuggets that you just mentioned, like so many important things. And I bet it's a treat to work with you. From all the various things that you mentioned, what is the one thing that you think people can do to feel less fear and to feel more connected in these times? Hmm. What's important when I, I am afraid or I feel that the fear is taking me, it's really trying to uh, close your eyes and think, what is this fear telling me? What do I need? Okay, I need some security. Who are the people around me that when I'm talking to them, I feel more secure? Who are the people around me in my company and when I'm talking to them about, about the business, I have a piece of security. It's really much about trying to figure out my needs. And also, when you've been talking about your emotion, what I feel is really very important today is uh, work on authenticity. It's also assuming that, okay, uh, I'm not a wonder man or wonder woman. I'm just a person and I'm afraid and that's fine. And it happened to me before and I, I found a solution. I tried to figure out how it worked when I did that <laughs> one month ago, two months ago. But also uh, liberating your authenticity is also admitting that you, you can and you, you can share your emotion with your team or with other people and it's okay to be afraid. It's not something that is abnormal. It's fully understandable. And, and <laughs> if you don't get security, then admit it. Okay, I'm afraid I don't get the solution. And I, I, I want to just 
admit it. And, and when, once it's done, what can I do? Where can I move on? The only thing we can really do is try to find out people around us that co-create security with us. Excellent. Thank you so much, Valerie, for being here with us. How can people get in touch with you? Well, our website is talentis-coach.com. So we'll be happy to invite them to discover our different uh, offers, articles, videos. Our offices are in Paris. You can also reach us through the phone. <laughs> And I have uh, my own uh, LinkedIn page, of course. Okay, excellent. I'll put the links to Talentis in the show notes. So don't hesitate to reach out to Valerie and look forward to talking to you in two weeks' time. And until then, stay cool. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you very much to invite me. Have a very nice day. Thank you. Thanks, Valerie. I hope you liked the episode. And if you did, do go hit the like button, leave us a little review comment that will help us to spread the word on this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And I look forward to talking to you again in two weeks time. And until then, stay cool.